For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. We hope you've been enjoying our verse-by-verse study through the book of Proverbs. Here in chapter 26, we have more wise observations that will help keep us out of trouble and in God's good graces. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a study entitled, Answering a Fool. All righty, it's time to pick up where we left off. If you recall, it was Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. We are getting through the 31 chapters. I'm excited about that. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, we look to you always by the power of the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts that we might see this truth and understand it, put it into practice. We thank you for your great love and we thank you for the value of your word that keeps us on the straight and narrow path. In Christ's name, amen. So if you're just joining us, uh, we're in a very unique section of the scriptures here in the Old Testament in the, uh, toward the latter end of the book of Proverbs, as I mentioned, a collection of sayings of the wise, and they're kind of divided up into, first of all, observations, how smart people, biblically smart people, think and speak and conduct themselves, and the consequences therein of being blessed Verse those who uh, wind up with shame and putting themselves in harm's way because they are not living according to wisdom, God's wisdom. And other Proverbs are just straight up instructional and their commands, every facet of life, as we'll see again tonight, uh, to keep us on the right path so that we can be blessed. And then there's some satirical humor, satires, of course, kind of making fun of uh, some vices uh, in order that we uh, would avoid that kind of behavior. So kind of poking fun at those who ignore wisdom and end up suffering. We don't want to be like that, so there's a kind of a... Uh, poking fun at that kind of thing. The objective, of course, is to sit up and pay attention and learn through a vicariousness of these people whose lives are put before us. This is the smart thing to do. Enjoy peace and life and joy. This is the not-so-smart way to live. It's sort of our natural inclination as sinners to do the wrong thing, and so we have to fight against that. And so Let's see what's in store for us tonight in the grab bag, because they're all just stuck in there. Um, In chapter 26, we're going to pick up at verse 1. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honor is not fitting for a fool. Now, most people, most reasonable people realize this, and especially among uh, believers. Uh, But there wouldn't be an... uh, a warning against doing something unless there was a temptation to do it and unless people were doing it. In fact, the world does this kind of thing. Uh, so the, the, the teaching here is the inappropriateness of giving honor to a fool. And so uh, we see it happening all around us. Um, movie stars and celebrities who live immoral, indecent, and godless lives 
are handed out awards like lollipops at Halloween, on Halloween. I mean, it's just crazy. And uh, they sing and perform in the most vile ways, and yet somehow they're honored. Uh, Athletes, for example, who are disrespectful and and act in insolent ways are called courageous. Uh, You can surgically and medically uh, alter your God-given gender and turn into the other gender, and then you can be called a hero. But soldiers who return from fighting for our country missing an arm are dishonored. And so it's an upside-down crazy world. And so like snow in the summer, rain in the harvest, you would say, that's crazy, that's nuts. Well, that's exactly the point. It's that's absurd for people to honor something that is vile or, uh, uh, or evil. And so uh, even civil disobedient rabble-rousers who destroy property and incite violence and advocate the murder of police officers are invited to the ha- uh, White House. And so we live in a world where... So, so what is he saying here? He's saying snow in, while you're laying on the beach in Newport uh, during July, you're just thinking this is contrary to nature, it's just plain nuts. And so, check, we got that. Uh, the second thing he's saying, rain at harvest would do great damage. And so, the, uh, to honor something that is not honorable is really confusing and it's harmful and it causes trouble. It's neither right, useful, or desired. Verse 2. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, and we've all seen that in the evening sky, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. This should give everybody uh, great comfort. And, And really what the point here is, is that there's no need to fear when uh, people, mean-spirited people, say mean, slanderous things about you when they're undeserved. (laughs) When they're undeserved is an important part of this. So (laughs) now uh, a curse here does not mean like a voodoo curse. It sort of means ill-willed words meant to harm you. Uh, David, who is King Solomon's dad, wrote about these kinds of people. He said, hear me, my God, protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the plans of those who do evil. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot to ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly. They shoot suddenly and without remedy and without cause, I should say. And and so he's saying, don't take it to heart when these things happen uh, because your good character, your good reputation, and your good, good father will will deflect that. So uh, if somebody lies about you and your reputation is what it is, there's no settling of those words because your good uh, character uh, will deflect all of that. And so... Uh, it is unbecoming for you to try to get the bad words not to come to rest, for you to run around and just say, shoo, 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 I didn't say that, and you know me better than that, and chasing the swallow away. Listen, the swallow's not going to land if it's undeserved. 
right? So it's unbecoming of you to try to get shoo it away. You don't have to answer. Like uh, Bob was teaching us on Sunday, our vindication comes from God, and he will do a better job uh, than we could ever do. Uh, listen, our Lord Jesus said this, uh, when uh, or about the Lord Jesus, Peter speaking, when they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted him, himself to him who knows the truth and will bring about justice. Okay, verse 3. A whip for the horse, a halter for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Some people have to learn the hard way. That is uh, the meaning of this. And unfortunately, some folks never will learn. Uh, now, you know, when you say somebody's stubborn, sometimes we get a chuckle out of that. And, you know, stubborn in the little insignificant ways is kind of funny. Somebody will say, I'm not really stubborn, I'm just determined. You know, we laugh about, a little bit about that, but stubborn spiritually is a lethal thing, and self-inflicting beatings come from people who are stubborn spiritually and stubborn toward God. The famous apostle Paul was that way. He was stubborn, man. He was a contemporary of Jesus. You know that. Did you know that he was about the same age of, as Jesus? And so scholars say that he probably heard and encountered Jesus, and some of that stuck with him. And he gradually was coming to faith. And how do we know he was gradually coming to faith? Because Jesus' first words to him in Acts chapter 9 was, Saul, Saul, what's the matter with you? What's your problem with me? Aren't you having a hard time kicking against the goads? That's his first words. And kicking against the goats, the goats is a sharp wooden instrument that's, that was to prod the livestock to keep it on uh, the path it was to go. And so Jesus asked Paul, seriously? You're kicking, you've been kicking for years against the goat to get you on the straight and narrow path. And Jesus says, isn't that hard? Isn't that painful, Paul? Why don't you just stop? You know, because the ox would kick back if it was dumb enough, right? It would kick back to the direction of the prodding, right? And it would impale itself. Jesus, like, does that make sense? This is for your own good. Why do you do that? So the rod for the backs of fools. You know, every morning I like to just get up and say, Lord, what way do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? I yield my will to your will. I, for one, don't want them to have to goad me anywhere. Amen? Amen. I'd rather have a whisper instead of a whip, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Three people really related to that. Uh, four and, <laughs> and the rest of you were just mm -hmm. four, four, four and five come together and let me clear this one up for you do not answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be just like him answer a fool according to his folly or he'll be wise in his own eyes well which is it well it's both it's both and we've talked about this before wisdom will tell you when to answer a fool and when to hold your tongue and keep the pearls safe from being trampled underneath their feet.
by people who don't appreciate correction or the sacredness of God's word. And so let's deal first with the admonition for the silent approach. Don't do it. Some people are unreasonable. Uh, They're so lost. They're self-deceived, and they like it that way. Uh, There's no reasoning with an unreasonable person. They are not changed by words, all right, or by argument. They are just very twisted, and they're deceived, and there's nothing to be gained by it. So the whole premise is this. It's beneath the dignity of a response by the way that they're acting. How are you supposed to know that? Well, that's why we have a relationship with God and not a religion. We, we have a living Lord who prompts us or tells us, hey, buddy, there's nothing to be gained but inflammatory situation here. Do not say anything. Do not descend to his level lest you appear like him. And furthermore, you run the risk of when you put stuff out there, you're just giving him more ammunition because your words are going to get twisted and all of that. Uh, Even the New Testament just says, hold your tongue, have nothing to do with them. Now, on the other hand, there are some people who are having a temporary foolish moment. A lot of believers are like that. One commentator said, people of faith have many foolish moments, blind spots and shortcomings, and God praises the one who loves correction. When there's a reasonable chance of seeing some good accomplished, it's wise and loving to offer the word of correction. And so when you see there's some, something to be gained and you, you are prompted by the Holy Spirit, then you're supposed to let that happen. You know, Psalm 141 and verse 5 Uh, The psalmist says, let a godly person rebuke me. It will be to me like soothing medicine or, or a wonderful, fragrant cologne. So have that attitude. Verse six, like cutting off one's feet or drinking violence is the sending of a message by the hand of a fool. This one's easy and very graphic. Never, ever depend on an untrustworthy person in a matter of great importance. Because if you do, it'll get you nowhere. It'll set you back. So the first part of that, cutting one's feet off, is definitely setting you back uh, or, or uh, defeating the purpose. <laughs> that was good. Come on. You don't want to defeat the purpose. Defeat. I like that. Or you'll thank you. Thank you, both of you. Get a Starbucks card afterwards. All right. Or also, or he compares it to when you depend on somebody who's not dependable. What are you thinking? What were you thinking? Giving that person who's proven has a track record of messing up and you give something important to that person. Well, it's like drinking violence. Another word for that is poison. You're, you're, you're taking the cup and saying, you know what? I'll have a cup of poison. <laughs> you know, how smart is that? It's not. That's why it's in the Proverbs. All right. So, uh, and, 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 and by the way, what does it say about you? That God Almighty entrusted his message 
to save the world to you. He must really think you're dependable. Let's live up to that. Verse 7, like a lame man's legs that hang limp is the proverb in the mouth of a fool. I like this one. The character of the speaker will make or break the impact of the good words coming out of the mouth. So in other words, for your words to mean anything, your good words, your wise counsel, your proverbs, your gospelizing, your walk has to match your talk or it really is like a lame man's legs. They just won't do it. It won't do any good. So wisdom coming out of the mouth of a person who doesn't heed it themselves is useless and powerless. It's more of a joke than anything else. You know, I told you about um, the the man who, the mechanic, who offered to uh, change the odometer reading so that he could get the warranty and fix my trans- transmission. He quoted a proverb. He quoted a proverb. He said to me, now, I'm as honest as the day is long. And remember, I told you I was tempted to say, well, we must be having a real solar eclipse right now. <laughs> you, you know, well, listen, That was a joke. That was a joke to me. A proverb in the mouth of somebody who's who's saying, you know, I'm going to do a little fraud here. But here's some words of advice. Here's a proverb, right? It It just doesn't make any sense. As the men at a memorial service in Vallejo at a church in Vallejo that you don't know about, A guy was talking to me about the wonders of God's love and how God has changed their life and put them on the straight and narrow path as they used to be this and used to be that. And Oh, don't light a match because he and the whole church would have blown up right there because of the the reeking of alcohol. Oh, but the words were, if you take away the, the fact that he was drunk, while he was saying it, it, they were wonderful words. He was evangelizing. The only thing is it was doing more harm than good. It was paralyzing the words, just like the meaning here. Verse 8, along the same lines, like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. So like the earlier thought, giving a fool honor is not only counterproductive, but it's a kind of a stupid thing to do. Why would you tie uh, the stone to the sling? If you're trying to get the stone to go, you're, you, how, how stupid would that be? That's the point here. How stupid would that be to say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know, here, this is this guy who made his way to the top, crushing people and committing fraud, but he's richer than most people we know. So ladies and gentlemen, let's honor him. That would be not smart. That would be like, and then it's not going anywhere, right? So anyway, verse nine, along the same lines, like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. So, if you're not going to live by the truth that you're professing or advocating to others, you are more of a painful liability, even if the word of God itself is coming out of your mouth. 
if you're not living it. Uh, listen, wisdom, it, 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 it depends the, the right place, the right person, the right tone, the, the attitude. You see, if you're unwise and you've got a proverb at the wrong time, at the wrong place, delivered in the wrong way, uh, you're causing pain. And I think to God's heart, too. A deputy uh, sheriff here told me about uh, pulling people over with Christian bumper stickers. He himself is actually here tonight. And he told me personally how painful it is to go up to a car that's slathered with beautiful words from heaven. Bumper stickers that, that, that say Jesus loves you. God is the answer. And then to get around and then have a surly, insolent attitude of the person. How painful that is to have somebody like that represent God. And now it's okay for him because he can just say, you know, I get it. But what about my brothers and sisters who are unbelievers who approach the same kind of car and they have and they tell him about it. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand. A drunk has no control, right? So he doesn't know, he, he can't, he's unfit. A fool is unfit to handle the word of God or the truth. And that's the idea, that he just, that he just doesn't know how to use it. And so he ends up being more of a liability uh, than anything else. So here's my... My admonition to you, my Christian so-called brothers and sisters, whoever you are out there, if you have a, tr a problem with sexual immorality, or if you're doing porn all the time, more than you're not, could you just not associate yourself with Jesus Christ? I, I, and I'm talking about, do you have a problem with gossiping every day? Do you have a problem with greed that you're not addressing? You're not picking up your cross. You're not dying daily. You, you're not. These, these things characterize and everybody about you. Are you a lazy employee? Could you please not say you go to the rock? Please, honestly, just don't say that. And could you protect our Lord Jesus from, from your shenanigans, lest anybody associate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with your lazy, rude, self-centered behavior. That's what it's saying. Drop the thorn bush. Get it together. Then start talking about the Lord. When you don't have to be perfect. All right, let's move on. Verse 10. Like an archer who wounds at random is, is he who hires a fool or any pastor buyer. So do you want, do you want to do a whole lot of damage uh, to a whole lot of people and damage in an area of great importance to you? Then hire a stranger for whatever reason who you have not properly vetted and you'll have problems over there. There, there, springing up all over the place. Why? It's not his fault. It's your fault. Because you did the unwise thing of saying, sure, yeah, whatever. You didn't vet them, and so you're going to have fires everywhere. Verse 11, 
As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Now listen, this is a chapter where they're not pulling any punches, apparently, all right? So uh, (laughs) chapter 26 happens to be my favorite chapter of all, because you know, when, when I feel the Lord is coming through and not pulling punches, I feel alive. When the Lord corrects me and, and, and speaks so bluntly, I just, I, I'm encouraged by it, and I hope you are too. So as a dog returns to its vomit, uh, Peter quoted this, uh, and so a fool repeats his folly. The litmus test of whether or not you are a changed person is not your words, but your lifestyle. And if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, I don't care. We don't care. God doesn't care what's coming out of your mouth and how many times you swear to God and all of this stuff that you're a changed person. You're not if you keep doing the same thing. And because you're like a dog that doesn't have a moral conscience. It doesn't have the ability to say, I just made a big mess. I better avoid that and never pass this way again. The dog doesn't know that. The dog gets hungry a little time afterwards and smells something yummy and comes back. Well, it's a dog. And the Bible says, listen, like a sow that's washed and given a bath, the sow that doesn't get a heart transplant, a new nature, wants to go back into the muck and the mire the same way with the dog. So listen, the litmus test is, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Are you keep repeating the same thing over and over again? I'm not talking about repeating the same struggles. That's called Christian living. I'm talking about giving in And living in sin and being that same old person, he says, watch out for that. Moral transformation is the only sure sign that you're saved. Not anything coming out of your mouth, nothing. Is your life changing? Are you more holy today than you were yesterday? Are you repeating the same old sin over and over and over again? Then the Bible says there's a regeneration issue. Verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Here's the quick answer here. Those who think that they have all the answers are almost impossible to help. So the the guy who arrogantly thinks that they know everything, you know, you can't get to that person. And so certain fools might be open to correction, but the know-it-all is not. And so that's the danger there. Now, heads up on what the, the what's coming next here, a few verses. It's called by commentators, the book of sluggards. All right. So here it is. Verses 13 through 16. Now, we, you know, the Holy Spirit has taken a lot of shots at the number one uh, character flaw in the book of Proverbs, besides sexual immorality, is laziness. Because laziness is a breach of love. It asks the entire community to do what that person should be doing and is a burden to God's people and God's work. And so 
Uh, we're not going to go through it like I have in the past, but there are uh, four chapters to the book of Sluggards. Okay, so chapter one uh, says, in essence, the thesis statement for the chapter would be that first verse, the lazy person is always making ridiculous excuses uh, to get out of work. And everybody knows it. But they always sound legit to the person. But everybody else is laughing as if you just said there's a lion blocking the way. Uh, and chapter two about lazy person, uh, there's activity, but it's only for his own comfort. So the lazy person will move, but not go anywhere. And he's described as like a door that, that flips over on its hinges. So he'll move, but only to get more comfortable in bed. And so chapter three, <laughs> chapter three, uh, I didn't write this stuff. I really didn't. I'm just communicating. I'm the middleman. Remember that, okay? Like, okay. Now, chapter three, not even hunger helps get the hands working. So he wants somebody to feed him, all right? So he realizes he, he takes the serving spoon and he reaches in and he goes, oh, to get that all the way back up into my face, it's going to take a lot of energy. I just wish somebody else would do it for me. He's saying, you're too lazy to work. Not even the natural inclination to feed yourself is enough to get you to go out and get a job. And then uh, chapter four would be, what motivates lazy people is a superiority complex. Oh, I'm not going to take just any job. It's beneath me. That's the meaning of that text. It's just, I'm not going to, what? They're going to pay minimum wage? Oh, I'm so much better than that. You see, so there's all this, uh, you know, stuff about um, how smart they are. So, yeah, my son, don't be lazy. Verse 17, like one who seizes a dog by its ears is a passer, I'm sorry, like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel not his own. So I have a question for you. Have you ever regretted getting involved in someone else's argument? Just everybody just say yes. All right. Thank you. Or involving yourself in a dispute that didn't involve you. Here's the short answer for this. The cliff notes would read, Anyone who interferes in a fight is asking for trouble. Mm -hmm. Now, why do you regret it? Uh, you, you regret it for by doing so, you're, 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 you, ended, you, you end up getting chewed up in the process. And that's what happens when you grab a German shepherd by the ear and tug. You're going to get bit. Now, when you put yourself in, listen, here's what he's saying. Mind your own business. It, it's really helpful. Uh, verse 18. Like a madman, and the word means maniac, shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. What does that mean? Listen, I'm going to tell you what it means. It's a warning about practical jokers and those who deceive for a joke. And that's what practical jokes do. He's saying there is a wiser way to make people laugh other than set them up, 
deceive them and say, ha, 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 wasn't that funny? What happens with practical joking, by the way, a few years ago, there was a practical joke here uh, with the younger folks, and I outlawed it. It's like in our bylaws. No practical jokes. People get hurt. They go too far. They're foolish. And that's exactly what it's saying here. Uh, you just have to go around online. It's just the kind of humor the Bible says is irresponsible, dangerous, not funny. The person will feel embarrassed, will get resentment. Uh, people can get hurt. Re relationships get ruined. Things can go wrong. And so wisdom says, listen, pranksters, pranksters are like insane people who have a blowtorch and they're walking around with a blowtorch and they're out of their mind. That's one reason to lay aside the desire to prank people. Amen? Amen. Once again, these are not my proverbs. <laughs> they're the Lord's. Verse 20. Without wit, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Wisdom. The very best way to move forward after a terrible, unfortunate incident, newsflash, stop talking about it. The only reason a lot of stuff is still alive and well that you'd rather forget is because you won't stop bringing it up. Stop talking about it. You're giving it fire and spark and breath. You're the one keeping it alive and well by talking about it. Let it go. Stop talking about it. Verse 21. As charcoal to the embers and as wood to the fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. So verse 21, a similar idea. Quarrelsome people, people just want to always fight and the devil's advocate. and that. I mean, something should... Tell you something. I don't know. People tell me, well, I like to play the devil's advocate. You do? <laughs> As a Christian? Really? I wouldn't want to advocate for the devil. I just, I wouldn't even want to say that. Moving on. Do you get it, right? Or should I just beat this one to death? They are quarrelsome. People start fights. So the wise person who would like peace avoids that kind of person. Verses, verse 22, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's in most parts. Now, if you want a podcast on Pro Proverbs 18, I do a whole 10, 15 minutes on gossip in this verse. So I just sum it up by saying gossip is appealing. God knows that. We, we all love to do it, all of us, in our sinful natures. Um, and uh, he describes hearing something as like choice morsels, like super delicious little hors d'oeuvres that we eagerly chomp down. The problem is, is that that morsel is lethal and poisonous, and it goes down deep. And so if it's poisonous to people on the outside and all the damage that gossip can do to outside, he's just making the point to saying you're chomping that down, that, and it goes down deep. So if it does the kind of damage, uh, lethal damage outwardly, do you really want to ingest that down deep? So I have down here, the task of all mature, devoted Christians 
is to learn to hate what the sin nature loves and admit that you love it. Admit that you love it. Know that you love it. Or you wouldn't be doing it. Every sin you commit is a sin you love, right? So you have to tell the Lord, I love that sin. Help me to hate what you hate and to love what you love. And then you will start to see moral transformation. It's all this stuff, well, I never, and I hate that kind of it. Oh, come on. You're never going to get changed. Don't kid yourself about that, all right? Verse 23, like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. So here's what he's saying. Watch out for smooth talkers and develop a sense for deception uh, in people because, listen to me, uh, sometimes evil comes to you from very apparent evil sources. But the Bible wants you to know that that's not all the, the only place that evil or hurt will come your way in life. It will come your way from people who you thought were your friends, who you thought were Christians, who you thought you could depend upon, and you let in and you told them too much, and they hurt you. So the next few verses are going to tell us, watch out, learn. There's <laughs> The reason he's telling us that there's just this deceitful gloss over some people's bad intentions is because we have to learn to develop a good sniffer, a radar for that kind of thing. So let me show you what I mean here. Verses 24 through 26 he, along the same lines, a malicious, a mean-spirited person disguises themselves with their lips so you don't know. They act like your friend and they say, praise the Lord. And, but his heart, in his heart, he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, don't believe him for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but don't worry, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. And so... Develop relational radar because a lot of trouble will come your way in life through stealth. We used to say back in the days, I have a check in my spirit. It kind of means I just have an unsettling. So, so what he's saying here is, is that after one of the seven abominations is manifested, or after he's exposed in the congregation or the group of friends that you're a part of, and then, then you know, aha, and you'll say to yourself, you know, I had a funny feeling, or I had kind of a red flag, or I had an uneasy feeling. Now, there are a couple things about getting old that I enjoy. Only two. <laughs> One is getting grandchildren. And the second thing is wisdom in matters like this. Because you start to be able to remember that feeling I had. I had the feeling. I knew this was going to happen. I thought, no. No way in a million years. That person and all the charm and the gloss and the, and the shine and, and all of that was telling me no, no, no. But something was saying you could almost hear like the little rattle. You oh, and that's the Holy Spirit who says, Shh, "What was that? That sounded like a rattle. 
of a snake that I can't see. Yeah, but everything else looks good and perfect on the outside. Now, how in the world can you develop a sense for this without becoming cynical and suspecting everybody of having deceit or having it out for you? That's called paranoia, you know, <laughs> right? So you can't walk around going, oh, I thought I heard something. <laughs> you know, especially when a little kid has a rattle now, you're going to be like, whoa. Listen, the thing about getting older is you'll begin to remember, aha, the exposing of that person's deed and that feeling I had, and you'll be able to make the connection. I've got that feeling down. I've got that feeling it works. You'll develop it. It takes a little time. You see, it takes a little time. And what's he saying? He's saying, be cautious, be careful. Use discernment, man. What did Jesus say? He said, the people in the world are smarter, have people sense than my people. That's what he said. Jesus said, I want you guys to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. I want you to be, be going to think in terms of what possibly can happen in a real world where people are sinners without becoming cynical and suspicious and neurotic. Just not naive, right? And by the way, learning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it works both ways. Because he can just, instead of a check in the Spirit, he can give you a check in the Spirit that has two thumbs up before you even know anything. Three dates with my wife. Three dates. I did not know her at all. And I knew she's going to be my wife. 31 years. Right? But that's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit where you start to hear his voice when he says yes. And when he goes, oh, be careful here. And the point of the, these verses is when you get the be careful, ignore the shine. Ignore the charm. He's trying to tell you there's seven abominations in there, but it doesn't look that way. They're cute on the outside and attractive, and they're saying all the right words. Don't override what the Spirit is saying with your mind. Let him speak to you. Moving on. We're almost done. <laughs> Don't burst into applause. You'll make me cry. <laughs> Verse 27. Two more. You could take this. If a man digs a pit, he'll fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. I like this one. This is called biblical karma, all right? Now listen. All karma is, is a sand, from a Sanskrit word that means action. It means fate. It means deserved action. It mean, and it came, comes to mean that because you have acted in such a way, life is bringing back to you what you deserve through that action. My theory is, is that pagans in the Far East, without the, uh, the scriptures or the knowledge of God, saw a principle that is biblical and named it karma. They don't have it right, but they have sowing and reaping Karma, they don't have any intelligence behind it. It's just the universe, right? But, but sowing and reaping has a God behind it who's using it 
redemptively to affirm right behavior and to discourage bad behavior because God loves you and wants you to not experience pain and suffering. And so the Bible says, you'll, you'll, you, Galatians chapter 6, you'll end up uh, reaping what you sow. In other words, he says, when you sin, it's like taking a sin seed and planting it. And he says, just trust me on this. God can't be mocked. You'll never be able to say, see, I planted a sin seed and nothing bad happened. That's why he says God can't be mocked. Because every single time, it will always happen. And you'll never be able to say, aha, here's the one time. Never. When you sin, it will spring up into a plant called corruption. That's just every time. The good news is that when you do a good deed and you do the right thing and you obey Christ and the word of God, you plant something called righteousness and righteousness also will spring up and bring peace and love and joy and unity and blessing. So uh, this is what he's saying. Here, he's saying, um, if you, if a man digs a pit or, or lays a trap for somebody, that's what they, they, they dig a pit, put some sharp poles at the bottom, cover it up, and the animal would fall in, right? So, but if, if a man is trying to trap another person, uh, he'll only end up trapping himself. And rolling a stone, they would, uh, they would roll a boulder into a place where when the person is passing by, that boulder could be moved and roll on top of the person. But the Bible says, surprise, in pushing that into place, what's going to happen is whoopsies, <laughs> you're going to lose your balance, and it's going to roll back on you. And listen, we got lots of examples. Haman in Esther, who was obsessed with Mordecai. He had everything a guy could ever want, riches and the family and everything, notoriety and power and influence. And he came home one day, and his wife said, what's wrong with you? And, the, and he goes, I know I have everything a man could possibly want, but as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the gate, my life is miserable. So the whole story is about him building a gallows, 75 feet tall. Everything's going in to set this guy up so he could swing Mordecai, see him swing it away. And by the end of the story, he's got an executioner's uh, covering over his head, a black sack, and he's led to the gallow that he built for his enemy. Do not hang around in unforgiveness and retaliation and revenge like Haman, or you will swing with Haman on the gallows that you build for that person. God says it will happen to you. Daniel chapter 6, they were jealous of him. They, they set him up. You know, made a law that anybody caught praying to somebody else other than Nebuchadnezzar, right? Or whoever it was in that chapter. And so, yeah, you know, Darius, I know, I know, I'm a Bible teacher. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> That's why I caught myself. I just thought, no, Nebuchadnezzar's earlier. <laughs> so King Darius, right? And so what happens is they get him to be thrown in and they're like, yes. 
But then in the morning, King Darius says, oh, Daniel, was the God you serve continually able to keep those mouths closed? And he says, yes, king, live forever. And what does the king say? Round up those losers, tie them up and bring them over here and throw them in the pit that they wanted to see Daniel thrown in the pit. Do you see that? Listen, people, people hurt you. People have betrayed you. God says, keep hate and anger and revenge and retaliation out of your heart. If you want to walk with me, says God, you have to forgive. Jesus said, if you want to be forgiven, you've got to forgive. He says that as a command. If you want to be shown mercy, you have to show mercy. For no mercy will be shown to those who do not show mercy. It'll just explode in your face. And here's a proverb that just tells you, watch out for that. Is there one more? A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. To finish up, here's a very interesting observation. It's just the blunt truth that there's hate in the heart of those who lie. So here's, here's just kind of putting it out there and hoping to disgust you enough to turn you from any kind of false or deceptive speech by telling you what's prompting deceptive speech is a heart filled with hate and disregard because dishonest and deceptive talkers hurt people and they don't care. So what the Bible is saying, you know what's wrong with you when you're dishonest here is that you really have a heart that's not been transformed by love. It's filled with hate. And that makes a person not want to lie or be dishonest, but it's not a problem here. It's about caring in our hearts. What does John tell us in 1 John 4? No one with a heart full of hate knows God. And if you don't know God, good luck getting into heaven with a heart filled with hate. So the question is your, really your truthfulness or your dishonesty in your words reveals what fills your heart. So he's asking his son, son, is it love in your heart or is it hate? Show me by your words. Truthfulness or dishonesty? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. Thank you, Father, that even it was hard tonight to listen to the, the straightforward talk of truth, but we know it, it's couched in, in great love from your heart, Lord, that we, we might not miss the bullseye for our lives, that we, we might enjoy your love and the good things you've prepared for us, and that'll never happen if we let vice and sin and character flaws reign. Help us, as the Bible says, to by the Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of the body so we might enjoy life and peace. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.